In nature, animals fight hard to survive and pass on their genes to the next generation. For an insect in the frigid regions of North America, even the pursuit of adulthood is a demanding task. Meet one caterpillar that is just dying to leave their life crawling on the ground and take to the skies as a moth. This unwavering quest is surely an inspiring part of life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to your 30 minutes of interesting animal impartation of knowledge. Information. I don't even know what you're talking about. An introduction. Okay. To knowledge. Zoological in nature. And it's for you, the listener. Not for me. No. I already got it. You already have it. You're giving it. You, it's better to give than, than to, to receive. receive. Sure. Um, and today... Wait, well, first of all, I'm Joe. Yeah, who are we? I'm, I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a fuzzy little bear I like to call the Dark Souls Caterpillar. But more on that later. So this is the third animal that has a nickname bear that we've done. We haven't done a bear yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like bears and I really, I'm just saving the bear. Because we've done the water bear. For a special occasion. The bear cat. Yeah. And now the woolly bear. Yeah, so I got to get my bear... Ings? Bearings on bears. Oh, my god! Before we get to bears. Uh, <laughs> you don't have a bunch of bear puns stuck in there, do you? I don't. Okay, good. Maybe I'll... Are, cu- you, are you saving those for the bear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what bear we would do. Uh, we'll get there. Yeah. Why don't you give us some taxonomy? <laughs> I thought you had more. Um, all right. So, we are doing the woolly bear moth. Uh-huh. I'll, it's called a lot of things. Well, it's called a woolly bear caterpillar... There's also the banded, the woolly, Band, the banded woolly moth, caterpillar. Yeah, woolly caterpillar, and that has that moth has a completely different name, the like uh, Isabel something moth. Um, but we're talking about specifically the woolly bear caterpillar, which turns into the woolly bear moth. Because there are a lot of there are like 250 different species. Yes. That produce this. I yeah, think. they share wait woolliness. Well, that look the similar. Yeah. And are in the same species, in the same genes. And a lot of them have some of the same characteristics we're going to talk about today. Okay, yeah. So this is, uh, well, are you talking about the Isabella tiger moth? Yes. Yeah, that's another name for this. Okay. Um, I mean, I've seen, the the ones I've seen look very different. The banded one, some of them don't have bands. They're just one color. So boring. And the moths can be orange, yellow, but I've also seen gray. Basic caterpillars. Yes. By the way, forgive me if I say calipitters, because that was always a hang-up for me as a kid. (laughs) Caterpillar. Um, All right, so the kingdom is one we all know and love. That is Animalia. Oh. The phylum is Arthropoda, because it's an insect. And speaking of insects, class is Insecta. Okay. Um, And the order is... Lepidoptera. Nice. Family is Arctidae. Two eyes together. Arctidae. Shouldn't, shouldn't be. Like the Wii. Yeah. It shouldn't Another be. thing that shouldn't be. Shouldn't be like the Wii. Uh, the genus is Pierhartia. Two R's together. Pure heart? Yeah, pure heart. Okay. <laughs> King Richard the pure heart. And then the species is Isabella. Nice. So, Pierhartia, Isabella. 
is the Isabella tiger moth, tiger moth or the woolly bear moth. Now, it gets its name not from its moth form, because that's that's its final form, from but from its form that's not the final form, and that's the caterpillar form. Although the moth can be fuzzy in its own right. Yeah, but it doesn't look like a woolly bear. <laughs> wouldn't call it a woolly bear. I wouldn't really call the caterpillar a bear either. Me neither. <laughs> um, it so, just it looks more like a woolly eyebrow. But an energetic one. <laughs> <laughs> because it moves around? Yeah, a lot. Okay. More than the average eyebrow. So we'll start with its range. Sure. Which is everywhere in the U.S. pretty much. All over the U.S., but mostly east of the old Mississippi. Okay. Um, and north of Georgia. So that whole region is just chock full of these guys, but they also exist all over the place. Okay, so as a caterpillar, um, they look like they're about one and a half to two and a half inches long. Okay. Maybe two and a half is a little bit on the long, long side, but... You we'll know what say- that means. Uh-oh. It's time for the listener's Uh-oh. favorite segment of the show. Don't do this. It's time for Measure Up. Hooray! The part of the show where we put the animal size into relatable terms. You gotta, so, work, you, you gotta, you gotta work on that tagline. No, nah, it's it's off the cuff. Uh, the animal that's size. What, that's what the listeners like. The part of the show where we take the animal size and put it in relatable eyes. No, that doesn't work either. Your eyes are relatable, listener? Mine are. Okay. <laughs> Your mind's eye, really. So, one and a half to two and a half inches, we're gonna... Split the difference and call it two inches. That's about a hundred times smaller than a giraffe. That's what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, if you took 370 or 377.09 woolly bear caterpillars, 0.09, line them up okay. lengthwise, single file, down a bowling alley, and you from from the from that starter line. To the strike zone. Okay. And you bowled that perfect strike right down the middle, you would kill all 377.9 <laughs> of them. <laughs> In other words, it's 377.9 times shorter than a bowling lane. <laughs> That's pretty great. You'd have a pretty disgusting looking bowling ball at the end of that. <laughs> you sure would. It'd splash at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, gross. But yeah, they're bugs. They're little guys. They vary in size, so that's what you get. You get two inches. Now, we're mostly going to talk about the caterpillar because that's the interesting part. <laughs> yes. Um, it grows into a uh, the woolly bear moth or the Isabella tiger moth, which is like a mustard gold color and has no interesting characteristics whatsoever. Except for that sometimes it can be gray. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> All right, so it's sometimes called the uh, banded woolly bear because they have three bands. Credence Clearwater Revival, <laughs> the Rolling Stones, and, I don't know, Nickelback? You couldn't think of a third <laughs> band that wasn't Nickelback? <laughs> I wanted to infuriate people. Um, well, no, they have three bands. Their, their head is black. Uh-huh. Their midsections are red or rust-colored. And then they have a black bum. Um, so it kind of looks like a gummy worm. It's like a, oh, with, with, a th- with the three segments. Okay. And so here's the really interesting thing about them is that uh, is people's interaction with this phenomenon. So there's a folklore legend 
it says that the size of these bands determines the severity of the upcoming winter because you mostly see these caterpillars um, out and about in autumn. So if you're a yield farmer getting ready for the winter, you're going to see one of these caterpillars and be like, oh, well, I need a prediction for this for this upcoming snow season. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm going to use this caterpillar. So the thicker the black bands, the worse the winter will be. And inversely, obviously, the, the shorter the red band in the middle. Um, and then also conversely, the longer the red band or the smaller the black bands, um, the milder the winter will be. Okay. And, um, also, the caterpillar has 13 segments, which correspond to the 13 weeks of winter. This thing is a regular oracle. Um, <laughs> okay. And also, if the head band is longer than the, 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 the black head band is longer than the bum band, then um, you're the beginning of the winter is going to be worse. And then conversely, if the bum band is longer, the end of the winter is going to be worse. Okay. Except for none of that is true. None of that's true. Also, another idea is that the thickness of WB's coat is um, going to predict the severity of the winter. So if it's got a thick coat, then it's going to be um, bad. And if it's got a small coat, it's going to be fine. And lastly, if Dubs is crawling south, then it's trying to escape what's going to be a bad winter. So if you ever see it crawling in any southerly direction... Not just like you see an influx of caterpillars all moving south. It's just if this one starts to move south, then it's trying to get away from a bad winter. <laughs> if it moves north, then the winter's going to be fine. So, obviously, this is all hogwash. Yes. <laughs> um, it's, it's, a, it's a bath for your pig. That's it's a, what that is. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. It's going through the hogwash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a band I should have mentioned. Um but there has been a festival held in Vermilion, Ohio since 1973 uh, called the Woolly Bear Festival. And there they have like a parade. It's all dedicated to this caterpillar. They're trying to get their own Puxatani Phil going. What's that? That's the groundhog. Oh, Puxatani Phil. That's his name. N- had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just don't have your finger on the pulse of culture. Sure don't. Um, except for this... The Woolly Bear Festival in Vermilion, Ohio. Right. So they'll they'll have a parade. They'll have an official analysis of, I guess, one of the Woolly Bears to see what the winter is going to be like. And they'll have little Woolly Bear races. Uh. <laughs> they'll race the worms. And the champion is crowned and the trainer is paid. And it, no word on whether or not a tiny crown is fashioned for these, <laughs> for these guys. <laughs> The National Weather Service was was mum on that. But now this festival happens all over the place, in Kentucky and Tennessee and all this stuff, which I guess I define as all over the place, those two states. <laughs> yep. Uh, but in reality, WB's bands depend on its maturity and its nutrition. So it actually is a little bit more of a an indication of the previous season instead of the future season. So right. if it's if if there's been like a lot of stuff for it to eat, then it's going to have a bigger red band. And also if it's older, it's going to have a bigger red band, which is going to make people think that it's going to be a milder winter. But really you're going to just see it's going to run the gamut. If you if you collect 10 of these things, you're going to find all different kinds of bands. So you really it's not very scientific to say that that's going to ha- determine how the winter is going to be. Right. And it's also called the hedgehog caterpillar because winds disturbed curls up into a cute little ball yeah 
Um, I saw a picture. It engages in thanatosis, which we learned about earlier with the um, nursery web spider, which means that it pretends to be dead. Okay. And the hairs, I've th- this was interesting to me because I've always assumed that a big, colorful, spiny caterpillar is venomous. Like if you touch it, your finger is going to swell up. Yeah. And you're going to start seeing visions. But no, they're just brittle and rigid so they can break off in your skin and be irritating. Yeah. Well, I saw somebody holding them and they didn't seem to have a bad time. Yeah. So I guess if you like crushed one in your hand, you'd get what amounted to splinters. Yeah. And they're also not um, poisonous and they don't bite. So pick one up, but be careful. Yeah. Because they're all over the place. Yeah. That is all I got for the the woolly bear caterpillar. And other than that, there's nothing else to say. It's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. Well, have I got news for you. But before we get to the major fact, it's time to introduce a new segment of the show. What? That may or may not be in any other episode. <laughs> but this segment I'll, of the show... I'll be the judge of that. It's called Know the Difference. So we're going to talk a little bit about the winter time and going nap time throughout the winter. What is that called, do you think? I'm going to go with the first thing that comes to my head hibernation wrong dang it that's what mammals do so hibernation is a period of slowed metabolism that mammals go through during the winter are we going to talk about that in a couple episodes ago we said that the rubber boa hibernated it might be well because snakes don't usually hibernate they might just throw that at snakes too they don't usually throw it at snakes that term in that episode we talked about throwing snakes at people (laughs) Uh, but in insects, um, genetically pre-programmed hibernation is called diapause. And that is... Does that happen after it turns 50? (laughs) No. Uh, it happens every winter. So that's a genetically triggered event. So it's just, it's, you know, it's inherent to their being. Okay. They go to sleep certain times of the year. Okay. So when it gets warmer, their biological clock is the only thing that's going to keep get them up, wake them up, just like in menopause. <laughs> it's what you're thinking. I can see your grin. Uh, but Did you, you had to use biological clock. That's, that's how you... <laughs> what else would you say? But that's not what woolly bears do. No. They don't go through diapause. They go through something called quiescence. Or quiescence. Quiescence. That sounds nice. Well, that's environmentally triggered hibernation. So it gets to be a certain temperature outside and they know to go into this state of no movement and lower metabolism. Like a tardigrade? It's like, oh, it's getting cold. Time to grab onto my one water molecule and just kind of chill out. Chill out. Yeah. Literally. So now you know the difference. Hibernation is generally for mammals. Diapause is genetically triggered hibernation for insects and quiescence is environmentally triggered quote-unquote hibernation for insects and thanatosis is pretending to play dead yes now you know all the terms remember them for the quiz ah but now it's time for the major fact okay so the woolly bear lives all over the place as you said but also it lives in very very cold places like alaska canada Pretty dang close to the Arctic. Uh, so in order for the caterpillar to pupate... That sounds 
wrong. It's not. It's very right. It shouldn't pupate. It pupates all over the place. Not near my door. It does. There's actually a caterpillar like pupated <laughs> right outside of my door. Well, that means it, you know, it makes a, itself a chrysalis and gets up mm-hmm. inside that. So in order for it to pupate and turn into a moth, it has to get enough food during the short summer months in order to facilitate this metamorphosis. Pupate might be one of the worst words ever. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so if they get to the right weight, they form a chrysalis and turn into the fuzzy gray moth we all know and love called the Isabella tiger moth. Tiger moth. It turns from a bear to a tiger. It's not even consistent with his naming metaphors. Uh, so if they don't get enough food during the winter, they crawl into a hole and die. No. End of podcast. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but not, not end of episode. End of podcast. That's the end. They're dead. <laughs> Deal with, just kidding. Uh, well, they do die. Their heart stops and their blood freezes. That's not great. I don't know if you know anything about biology, but that's not good for you. I didn't even know they had. It's not good for you. I didn't even know they had blood. I thought they. they I they, thought they were just like a. Like some sort of insect soup. It it is yeah. Inside of a that's what exoskeleton. All, that's what all blood is. It's just you soup. Um, <laughs> you soup. <laughs> Gross. Oh my you soup. <laughs> I'm 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 done. So five months later, after the winter is finished, it comes back to life and gets right back to work eating as much as possible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let uh, that one slide. Okay. So it gets So it in, actually freezes all the way through? From what I've been told, yes. Like you could throw it along a lake and it would skip. <laughs> No, it's a tiny little. It turns into like a it, frozen pebble. It balls up, so I'm just picturing this little like disc-shaped frozen thing. I guess if you found one, mm-hmm. but they're they're like under... then it would drown. Yeah, for sure. So that'd be a that'd be a, a cruel thing to do. So basically, it kind of resets. It has another summer to get all the food it needs to turn into a chrysalis or to turn into a moth <laughs> by pupating. Um, <laughs> so the idea is for in one year after it's hatched to be able to get enough food to pupate. Right. But if it's unsuccessful, then it just freezes and it then tries again next year. quiescence and freezes, yes. So, it, I mean, unless things are really bad, it would probably be done maybe before halfway of the next year. Probably doesn't go through this twice. And that's where you're wrong. Oh. <laughs> I wasn't so, even being coy. So literally the next bullet point is the cycle can last for years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the, I'm asking the right questions. <laughs> you're right. Uh, so yeah, this can happen multiple, multiple times. F- cycles of freezing and thawing, freezing and thawing, freezing and thawing until it gets enough food to pupate. That just sounds like a headache every time. A f- at least a brain freeze. <laughs> alley-oop there (laughs) (laughs) so how do they do this they do this by producing a chemical called glycerol which acts as an antifreeze that sounds like uh explosive sugar now here's what happened i'm i'm trying to figure out where if they're freezing organs and blood and their heart stops beating where does the antifreeze come into play they're freezing I don't understand how it works together. A smarter scientist 
or a scientist at all could probably answer that question. Yeah, a smarter scientist than you. Science? Smartest... If Bill Nye is a science guy, then I'm a science He's guy. He's a science guy, but not a scientist. <laughs> okay. All right. You only get to be a scientist when you have a degree. Everybody knows that. But you can be a science person. Scienceman. A scienceman. <laughs> Bill Nye the scienceman. <laughs> okay. So they they produce this antifreeze chemical, glycerol, which is also found in a lot of food products that you eat. That you, Carlos. Explosive eat. sugar. Yeah, glycerol. Because it sounds like um, nitroglycerin. Glycerin and then glucose put together a little bit. Sure. Or alcohol, sugar based things. It is sugar, like, you know, sweetness, gly- glycerol. So I can... You know it, you love it. Eat it in your cereal. <laughs> There's a, there's a bald of caterpillar in my cereal. <laughs> well, probably, would it be delicious? I don't know. I'd like to believe it is. That that is what the um the insects that Timon and Pumbaa eat taste like. Probably. It's delicious. It's just like this little uh marshmallow thing mm-hmm. situation. Slimy yet satisfying. It's yeah, slimy yet satisfying. It's kind of like uh like a Bavarian cream pie. Well, have you ever had like um, I'm sure you have Lucky Charms. I've actually never had Lucky Charms. <laughs> I found what I liked and I stuck with it, and that was Apple Jacks. You don't get. You, what about Cinnamon Toast Crunch? That was that was at friends' houses. We're digressing like a couple of monsters, <laughs> and we don't usually do that. No, let's get back to business. So, this must take some kind of toll on them, correct? Yes. Maybe? Uh, brain freeze. No. Wrong again. <laughs> uh, At least brain freeze. Well, there is some, like, some studies suggest that there's some, like, tissue damage after several, several times of this. But they looked at survivability, like your fitness to continue and become a moth and procreate and, you know, do what animals do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found that it actually, this buildup of glycerol... That happens after each freeze and thaw actually makes them more survivable. It makes them more fit. It just, like, it's good for them. Which... Builds character. Which puts, puts hair on your chest. Yes. And, it can, and all over. The character produces steadfastness of... Um, <laughs> the testing of your faith pr- pr- produces character and character produces something. I don't something. think character is part of that. Something. And uh, and anger leads to hate. <laughs> and hate leads to suffering. All right. <laughs> Healthy wisdom from King Solomon and Master Yoda. <laughs> so that's all I got. You got anything else, Nito? Um, no. <laughs> it sounded like I was gonna have something, but no. So let me let me give you the traditional Woolly Bear Festival farewell. So may your black bands be short. And your red bands be woolly. In life, death, and taxonomy. You did it! Like the woolly bear moth nearly dies several times to make it to adulthood, you've endured puns and delightfully preposterous size comparisons to make it to the end of this episode. The only thing left to do? Find a nice podcast app, settle down, and make lots of new listeners by sharing life, death, and taxonomy with your friends. Here's how it works. Simply walk up to a friend or coworker and say, did you know the woolly bear moth nearly freezes to death several times before it pupates? And then when they say, 
Oh, gross, Janet. Don't say pupate. You say, To learn more neat stuff about animals, listen to Life, Death, and Taxonomy on iTunes, Google Play, other podcast apps, ldtaxonomy.com, or braintrust.fm. And leave a review. Before long, you'll be up to your antennae and new friends with which to share your listening experience. Have fun and happy sharing. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Brain Trust Brothers Network. For more information about this podcast or others, visit braintrustbros.com. Let me just put throw it out there that perseverance, character, and character hope. It's in Romans. Oh, it's character. <laughs> it's not King Solomon at <laughs> no. all. We need to take that out so we don't look like the worst Bibleman. I'm putting this part in there.